Oh, well, I'm sorry. No, I mean, your great. words are great. No, <laughs> oh, well, what's this bar for? Ignore that. Ignore <coughs> that bar. There's like a big empty space at the top of the screen. That's what that I am. technical people know to not worry about, apparently. There you go. Go bye-bye, okay? <laughs> Thank you. All right. It's so. nerve-wracking, the big empty <laughs> space where nothing is recording. No, there's things recording. No, there really are. All right. Well, hello, everybody. This is your friendly neighborhood podcaster, Coach Culberson, and my co-host, Kimberly. We are kicking off episode 11. We're into the double what, digits. What? Yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, we're coming up on our first year anniversary, actually, of Christian Curve, pod, uh, Christian Curve Leadership as well. Yes, we are. So isn't that fun? Congratulations, so, Don, for being on our one-year anniversary show. Awesome. Well, I have to say, I think Ish. 11 is a, that's a lucky number, isn't it? I feel like it is. Yeah, snake yeah. eyes. <laughs> yeah, snake eyes. And 11-11, you make a wish. <gasps> there you go. What? What would your wish be if you had to make a wish right now, if it was 11-11? Okay, I've made my wish. Well, it's a hypothetical wish, so you can share it with us. Oh, no, but I'm going to keep it. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to let it be true. <laughs> Well, that doesn't make for great podcast content. No, it doesn't. Uh, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> so today we're with Don Osmond, the Don Father of Ozcom. Thank you. And you know the the reason why we really you know, you've worked with Kimberly already on a project, and as we as I heard your story and read about your philosophy uh, of marketing and doing business, I thought we got to get this guy on the podcast. You know, and, and they heard the story. Um, because I think you have a, a unique perspective uh, in the marketing universe. So, thank you. Thanks. To, be, to begin, let's just start with like a quick snapshot, you know, of what you're doing right now. So, like one of your major taglines is that you're you're looking for the company's authentic narrative. Can you tell us what that means. What is it, what is a company's authentic narrative, and what does that lead the audience to? Yeah, sure. So. <clears throat> there's been a, a lot of talk about authenticity. There's also been a lot of talk about storytelling and things like that. Yeah, a I, lot. <laughs> yeah, tons. Uh, I, I really firmly believe that the only real value proposition that any company has to offer is their authentic, their authentic self. Um, you know, at the end of the day, when we look at what we purchase and, and what we engage in and types of businesses that we work with, it's based on a premise of why we want uh, our beliefs, why we why we chose them. Mm. People ask us those questions. Well, why did you work with so and so, or why did you buy that coach bag, or why did you buy the Maserati, or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> I'm picking high priced items here right now. Yeah, pick all the good ones. Well, I want. <laughs> Everybody I want always wants to know why, and why is a belief structure. Uh, the how, the what, the where, the when. That's merely circumstantial, but those all stem from telling an authentic story. They, they stem from the reason why people do what they do. And that is really, in my mind, quintessential for marketing. I think Simon Sinek actually said it best with this whole philosophy of starting with why. I mean, there's a lot of other great books that I've been reading about that too. But, I mean, his is his really kind of hits that home. I think when, when you ask people, why do you do what you do? They don't automatically necessarily go to a story so how do you connect the idea of story into the reason of why? Yeah, you know what? That is actually one of the most difficult things for businesses and for business owners to articulate. 
which I'm grateful for because that keeps me in business. <laughs> job security right there. <laughs> that's, that's job security. Ex- exactly. Um, but why is something that is foundational for each one of us at a very, very young age? I mean, think about when we wanted a piece of candy and our moms would say, you know, you can't have it. What was our response? Our response was, why? And she would give a reply, and our response would again be, why? Where the, yeah. the, you have kids. I've got kids. Just trying why? to wear you down, Mom. <laughs> it's like, how many times can they say why? Well, the thing is, is when you really think about that, why drives home to, uh, again, an internal belief stru- uh, structure and system, things like that. And that is not necessarily moved by facts and figures, which is what the mind tends to think about, but it's moved by uh, the emotion and by, by the heart mm. and marketing really is important. Uh, well, it's really important for brands to create some sort of, uh, endearing mechanism. And that's, that really, from my perspective stems from understanding that why. So can you give us an example? Oh, <laughs> uh, or ten. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure you've worked with it a whole right, lot. Right off, right off the cuff, huh? Make it tangible. You know? Let's do this. Let I want to ask this why because I know that you had a very interesting childhood. I did, yeah. And I that really informed how and how and what you're doing now. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. As a matter of fact, maybe that answers Kimberly's question. Yeah. Uh, yes, let's do that. Okay. Two birds. <laughs> why I actually chose to get into marketing. So. Uh, for a lot of your listeners or some of your listeners, they might have recognized my name uh, in something totally unrelated to what I do. Uh, my father is Donnie Osmond, and he uh, he spent his life in entertainment, in uh, singing, uh, performing, acting, a uh, lot of different other facets in entertainment. So he's known as an entertainment icon and has been since, uh, oh my goodness, since the late 60s, I would even say. I grew up watching your dad on TV. Oh, see, there you, you go. Know, so when you walked in the door at Orange, I thought, this dude looks so familiar. I don't even, where is he? Oh, wait. Yeah. It's I like, got to tell him you actually were Donny Osmond's son, so that was kind of excellent for me. He was like, that guy looks just like Donny Osmond. I was like, that's his son. He's like, no, it's not. Well, see, and that's the interesting <laughs> thing. Uh, that, that's a whole other conversation with regards to brand awareness for me. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I... Um, so I grew up in an entertainment family, uh, grew, uh, grew up around the entertainment industry and all those kinds of things. And for a long time, felt like I actually had to find my career in entertainment. You know, it's part of the family business, right? right. Yeah. Uh, that's what my dad did. That's what I do need to do. His name's Donny Osmond. My name is uh, kind of Don Osmond. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's the, the next uh, sense in the progression of it all. It was written on your birth certificate. Yeah. <laughs> And there is fate. There you go. Um, but it wasn't until actually just not too long ago, not too many years ago, that I really kind of came to myself. I mean, I, I, I dabbled in it. I, I uh, for a minute, was an entertainment manager. I, I did a lot of um, entertainment marketing and media. Uh, I, I was even performing on stage with my father. I've done that before. But, you know, it never really resonated to my authentic self. Which, again, goes back to that whole uh, push about authenticity. But what I realized was, is I learned so much about marketing. The entertainment world is fraught with marketing. I mean, that's really the foundational element of of uh, entertainment. Oh, yeah. That and, and telling a very compelling story. TV, radio, film, even music 
it all tells story. So I tied all that together in my experience in the entertainment world, and then I've just moved it over to uh, the companies that I work with now, which basically fall in line with uh, retail and tech and, and B2B and, and helping them find their authentic story and doing it and, and marketing themselves in a way that resonates with the, uh, the intended audience that they're, that they're targeting. Right on, right on. One thing that we have talked about a little bit is what happens when people don't have a sense of their authentic narrative or even when when they depart from it in in their marketing. Can you talk a little bit about that? You know, that's one of the biggest challenges that I think a lot of businesses, uh, well, maybe not a lot, but some businesses actually face is uh, that departure from what it what it was or or why that business got into into business to begin with um and the the fact of the matter is is that 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 belief that's that structure that that authentic origination story uh is really the is supposed to be the driving force for the business now there that being said there are times in which a business or even a brand per se needs to go through kind of a, a reinvention of sorts and recognize, okay, well, this is what we were before and this is what we're going to be now. But that becomes part of the whole narrative. That becomes part of the story that they tell. And they need to do that in a, in a way that resonates with the people that are already associated with that brand. I mean, there's a lot of good classic examples of brands that have deviated from that Pepsi with the did that for a minute coke with a new coke did it for a little bit i mean uh there's not very long <laughs> but but they recognized it and, and made a shift back to what they originally were their their original story yeah, yeah. um but it, it's not to say that we're all perfect in doing our marketing anyway but as long as we're aware of uh that that foundational element and being able to engage our audiences through telling that why story and letting them participate in, I think is really the crux behind it, the foundational elements of marketing. Are you feeling like you're lost in your own life? You know that there's something better and you even know what that something looks like, but you just can't seem to get there. Or maybe you start, make a little progress and all of a sudden whammo, life happens and now you feel hopelessly lost and far away from your goal. Try a new approach to figuring out what's going on in your life the Creation Curve Compass Planner from our friends at Creation Curve Leadership. The Compass Planner is values-based, a different model than that old planner you buy every year and stop using around the second week of February. The best part? It's free, printable, and super easy. Just go to creationcurve.com compass and tell our friends, Coach and Kimberly, where to send it. That's creationcurve.com compass for your free values-based planner. If you're done getting lost in your own life, stop living by the clock and start living by your values. So, in 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 a world in a world where people say <laughs> that's a perfect segue for right? storytelling. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that the announcer voice in yeah, a world? In where... a world. Um. Yeah, so when it comes to uh, in, in the in the world where we literally have people say, "Well, I read it on the internet," and it certainly it must be true, right? And uh, when it, when we're when people are looking to find the true stories, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, um, is there any litmus test that you 
that you work with on terms of like helping helping businesses and brands kind of find that authentic story, you know, where we're, it's not just, you know, well, I read it on the internet, so it must be true. Was, is there something else there that some kind of path that we can take? Well, it sounds like, okay, there, it, from what you're asking here, it sounds like there's a couple different ways that I could answer that. Um, one from the perspective of the audiences that, that we're engaging, our potential clients, customers, and who have, you know, what have you's. Or is it also the way from for businesses to actually try to find that? Um, let's take a look at the, the business focus for a minute. Really, that comes from a soul-searching exercise of asking that that <laughs> that third grade or, that, excuse me, that three-year-old <laughs> relentless why question. Mm. Uh, why is it that you're doing what you do? Uh, and then asking that question again, why? <laughs> Until you've really honed in on what it is. Uh, and that's where you'll find that, uh, that purpose for a company. And then the challenge f- from the company's perspective at that point is being able to articulate that in a way that they're finding other clients or finding the clients that believe the same things that they believe. Because the thing is, is that there are like how many billions of people on this earth not everybody's going to have the exact same belief structure as another. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah. Or excuse me, as, as everybody. That, I think we're I mean, seeing that play out in a lot of ways these days. We, we're not going political right now. We're not. We're not. But, um, we're not. I'm, you mentioned politics. Every, <laughs> everybody has their own little belief structure. Some of them uh, will resonate with others and some of them won't. Uh, but the thing is, is that we're, Again, from my perspective, I don't think it's important for a business to be everything to everyone because you end up being nothing to nobody, right? Uh, This is one of the reasons why marketing for years has always said, find your niche target audience and and focus there. And the reason why is is because we're looking for that uh, similar belief structure, what a business believes and therefore what its uh, hopeful clients and uh, customers would want to believe as well. So as you're trying to help a company do this, um, what, are, what are the hurdles? Where, where do people really get stuck as they try to articulate this narrative? Well, it's something that, that you can really do on your own. But like I said, it, it requires a lot of <laughs> uh, self-restraint and, and self-inquiry to be able to say, okay, well, why is it that I've done what I'm, I'm doing? And, it, and the answer can't be for money. Uh, that's really a byproduct. Mm-hmm. Uh, the... the the underlying answer to why you do what you do will come in um, in some sort of way that that says this is, these are my these are my common core beliefs. I believe in integrity, honesty, and authenticity, uh, and that's that. Those are Oscoms, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I came to those pillars, so to speak, based on all of my experiences in life. Again, growing up in the, in the entertainment world and seeing what I saw, I found that I embrace these three in specific. And there are other there are people out there that embrace the same kind of principles as I do, and so they they look for comparable or they look for compatible belief structures so that I can engage and do business with them. Uh, those that don't believe in those kinds of things, well, then there's some sort of dissonance. There's a discord there between me and a potential client, and. It's it's imperative to me, and it's also imperative to businesses that try to uh, employ this same kind of tactic to say, you know, despite the opportunity for making a little bit of extra cash or some revenue coming into the company, am I willing to um, sidestep my belief structure? 
And right. really, it, it, the answer should be no. If you're going to move forward in delivering an authentic marketing message and tell the authentic story of your business, then you really have to stick to your guns. Uh, we're in Texas. We can say that, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. Right. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and, and uh, ad- admit and say, hey, this is, this is who we are. This is why we believe what we believe, and this is what we're going to do. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think there there is kind of a loss that happens when a company's why has become we want more of your money. That's not a marketing story you can sell. Like, no, it's very difficult. Please, <laughs> please give us your money. We like money, you know. And so instead, we sell a different story. But then the thing that's driving our actions is, you know, we're, we're going to try to make money from these people. And so there's something that doesn't read correctly, you know. And then when it becomes clear that the story a company is selling is not the true story of that company, then it's it's hard to get people back once you've kind of been found out, don't you think? (laughs) Oh, uh, well, for sure, Uh, unless unless you're willing to... uh, uh, regroup uh, and circle the wagon, so to speak, and say, "Okay, look, we, we've gone wrong, and we're we're recentering and refocusing, and this is where we're back again." Uh, but there are there is fallout from that. Now, the thing is, is that you know we're talking about these kind of ethereal, emotional, um, touchy feely kind of subjects in a business world, which is quite often difficult to uh, quantify which most business owners want to take a look at. They want to say, okay, well, that's, you know, that's all great and wonderful in theory, but in practice... Show me the money! Uh, right. <laughs> in practice, it, it, business does come down to uh, moving commerce. Um, but what I'm saying in, in all this is that uh, people will do business with people that they know, like, and trust. Uh, the only way that you can really know, like, and trust somebody is by finding those, those belief systems. Uh, that is not, uh, no liking and trusting somebody is not something that is necessarily uh, quantified. It's more qualified, right? So it's it's a we're, we're looking at the quality of of things here. As you work with companies, do you feel like once they are able to really articulate their why, they can kind of explain their authentic narrative? Do you see the culture of that company change? Um, <clears throat> I wouldn't say that I see a a culture change per se, because if they already have that in place, then that culture resonates, uh, their, their authentic narrative, so to speak. Now, if their culture is different than what they're going out there and marketing and talking about, then obviously there's going to be some dissonance and obviously there's going to be some challenges that they're having with their marketing. Uh, so, I mean, that's a whole nother ball of wax (laughs) to go down. I mean, that, that's not necessarily, um, an ideal situation for me to walk into, uh, provided that they're not willing to make a change. But if they are willing to take a look and and regroup and reassess where they are at, from a cultural standpoint, then you can. But now we're dabbling into more of the organizational behavior of a company rather than necessarily the marketing. But uh, right, and that's definitely it, where where my brain goes. Yeah, um, but I think they're intertwined. Well, I think sometimes they, the message, the the why, is in the head of the person. Well, and you actually who hit started on it. You know, yeah, you've actually hit on something that's really important. Uh, is that business really boils down to about three specific. Uh, um, elements and that is your operations uh your capital and your communication or your people's awareness um 
And start with C. <laughs> I love things that start with C. Ben is a big fan of like all lists that are all C words. That's true. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So, um, but there's internal marketing. There's external marketing. There's also internal communication, and there's external communication. But at the end of the day, anytime we are having a conversation with another individual for the purpose of either having them buy or buy into and get behind a cause, we're talking about marketing. So, so yes, in in some sense, there there are elements from an organizational, uh, like cultural element there that we could talk about marketing, but... Um, I think for, for the for, for what you were talking about right now with the uh, with the uh, your listeners, I think what they're most concerned about is how are they able to articulate their corporate message and what their company is all about to those people that want to actually do business with them. So once they can, so maybe articulate that's round it, two. <laughs> yeah, once they can articulate it, what what do you do with once you know the story? What do you do with it in your company? Oh, lots of different things. Can I mean, you give me some like, well, tangibles? Yeah, well, I mean, at that point, once you, have the, once you have the story in place, then you have the foundational elements for all of your marketing collateral, for your uh, brochures, for your flyers, for your website, and you go out and you start talking about that story. Now, uh, I just read a, a great book that uh, I think does a, a fabulous job of explaining how to take that story and implement it. From a marketing perspective, it's called uh, "Winning the Story Wars" by mm. Jonas Sachs, mm. and what he ha- what he talks about, uh, which which we we kind of uh, follow the same pattern is finding those uh, finding your your brand hero and and finding somebody that can actually champion what your brand is all about. Uh, we sometimes talk about that being the quintessential customer or who's the ideal customer, and um, Finding that person to live that story or that you can share that story through video or through picture or just through copy and, and uh, your, all your marketing collateral is going to be important so that people that resonate with that individual will say, hey, I'd like to be like that person. I'm going to live that same kind of lifestyle. Here you go. For a couple examples, you've got the Marlboro Man, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, that was, a, that was an iconic piece mm-hmm. that was able to tell a story about this uh this lone cowboy so to speak smoking a cigarette and at the time that was iconic back in the uh what was that the, like the 80s maybe actually earlier than that. that no it was yeah. it was in the 80s no because i i grew up with the marble man i was born oh, I in 79 and when we oh would but go you're to born the, in 79 so what do we, when we, we would know. go to when we would go to the airport there was like kind of this loop of exits my mom was always like real anxious about taking the wrong exit and getting lost in chicago but her exit had this giant billboard of the marlboro man and it was there for like at least a decade yeah well I, and that's then it the, became not cool to smoke 1954 there you go i okay I well, was i'm just say saying it. it went into the 80s there was a time oh, yeah. where they were like no you can't smoke a cigarette in your ad and then they took that billboard down and my mom was beside herself. Like, how will I get home from the airport? <laughs> I remember this very well. Well, smoking aside here, because <laughs> we're not trying to promote anything that we don't want to promote here. Um, 
that that's a great example and a classic example that a lot of people can uh, can run with uh the uh the verizon guy can you hear me now oh yeah oh and now is now the sprint guy right now that's a very interesting twist on that story that sprint can now use to uh to capitalize on and they have right so um it's that's another good example of once you have that that quintessential customer Mm-hmm. maintain yeah. that conversation with that kind of an individual so that your brand always resonates with them because at the end of the day, those real live people, that's your grassroots marketing. Right. When they actually take your story and live your story and say, this is my brand because of, because of this brand, this is who I am. Uh, you know, who else does a great job at doing that kind of stuff? Uh, Louis Vuitton. And Versace. I mean, that th- those are some iconic brands that people now say, you know, this is this is who I am because this is what I wear and this is my right for sure. My that's persona. my story too. Right, exactly. And that's the idea. Is or that, the Cubs right now? <laughs> hey, there you go. <laughs> Cubs, go Cubs. <laughs> and that's another new story to go. Okay, well now they're no longer losers. I know. <laughs> How will they brand themselves? Yay. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Some Open, marketing guy is the, like the, the dawn of a new era. <laughs> <laughs> tune in, tune in next one hundred years, one hundred eight years, and find. Oh, please, come on! Let's not say that into the universe. All right, knock on wood. <laughs> they they have a young team. They could have they could have a repeat. There you go. <laughs> Sorry, I digress into Cubs celebration, but growing up in Chicago. I mean, we, we've lived in that story of, you know, it's been 108 years since we've won mm-hmm. a World Series. and Well, I um, lived in Chicago for a short time. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. My brother and yeah. I were on the phone with my dad, and we were, like, back and forth with my grandpa on Facebook, and my grandpa was crying. We hung up with my dad, called him in Arizona. Everybody was crying in my family. <laughs> it was a big deal. That's awesome. <laughs> I think that, you know, you kind of hit on some magic bullets, you know, in in that in that last section when we were talking about, you know, finding that brand hero, finding the story that resonates with people that they can actually go out and live. And I think that is, uh, you know, is, is a remarkable statement. I, I don't think I haven't, haven't heard a lot of people talk about, you know, making that, um, and finding that brand here. I mean, a lot of people find, you know, they talk about their customers, you know, and what do I, my customers want, but it's not always in those kinds of terms. So I just thought, it's a very interesting perspective. Well, let's on that. let's keep in mind the fact that we live in a new era with digital marketing and social media and things like that. That when a brand goes out and begins selling whatever tchotchke product service it is, but once it's sold, it's no longer the the company's. I mean, the company's responsible for the brand, but what the brand has sold has sold an experience to its customers that they're now. Mm they're now participating in so for all intents and purposes this brand now exists in some sort of uh dare i say purgatory where it's <laughs> where it's no longer it's it's no longer the company's but it's also not really in complete control by the customer and so right, there's a balance yeah. between what a what a company needs to do to support the brand and what the customers do to live with that brand and how the companies need to ha- maintain that conversation with their customers so they know how to support that brand. I mean, it's a very delicate balance once it goes out. Yeah. Uh, and how you communicate your story and invite people into your story is going to matter a lot because if they're, if they're buying your product and they're in a different story, yeah. then 
they're doing some of your marketing and it's not on brand anymore. Well, here, let me give you a quick, uh, 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 since we're talking about stories, let me give you a quick story. Yes, tell us the that story, That actually Don. comes from the entertainment world. And, and this one is really close to home because it happened to my father. Okay. So uh, back in the 70s, uh, my father was known for singing a song called Puppy Love, which is a, a really... Um, uh, what is what would you call it? Kind of a poppy. Sentimental? No, it's it's a little poppy, young, thirteen-year-old love song, right? That, okay, that's the best way to describe it. And it w- hit the tops of the charts. People love that song. Well, move a few years ahead, where my dad's now in his mid twenties. That's not so cool to sing that song anymore, right? <laughs> I mean, this is. And how many times has he sung it now? Uh, like oh, tens uh, of thousands. Easily, <laughs> easily. So he wanted to change the image of it. All right. So think of it in changing the brand, right? So he wanted to take a, take a change and say, okay, this is no longer a cutesy song. I'm going to turn it into a rock and roll song. So he turned it into a thrasher, heavy metal, <laughs> interesting, headbanging kind of song just to be like, look, I'm done with singing this song, right? <laughs> Donny Osmond's going a little Guns N' Roses. We're rocking out now. <laughs> yeah, or maybe even harder. I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't there for all of this. Anyway, I kind of want to hear this version of the song. Can you find know. it? Anywhere? I don't know. Or is it like? I have if it no I'll find idea. it. I'll find it. I'll put it in the show notes. Oh, I'm sure Donny Osmond will be thrilled with that. Okay, so where are we going with this story? Right. Sorry, I'm derailing you. That's again. all right. That's all right. Yeah. So um, after uh, after a concert and after he had done that, uh, he uh, he was out signing autographs and and there was a fan that came up to him and said, basically. Uh, pointed a finger and said, hey, don't you ever, ever do that again. And she was livid. She was ticked. She's like, you have no right to mess with my memories the way that you did when you messed with that song, Puppy Love. And it hit him. It kind of struck him for a minute. He goes, he he, he realized at that point, he's like, that's not my song anymore. Hmm. That song holds memories and holds an experience to the people that remember that song back in the 70s. And so the same thing happens with brands today when they realize, okay, we need to make a pivot, you know, talk business speak here. We need to pivot and go this direction because we're seeing a new opportunity with this audience. Well, they have to be mindful of what they're actually doing with that brand because they have now a track record. If they've been in business for a while, they have a track record of, of presenting that brand in a specific light. And if they disrespect it in any way, they're going to have a backlash. They're going to lose customers. They're going to lose right. goodwill and all those other kinds of things and totally drop the bottom out from underneath them. And some companies aren't aware of what that actually can happen, what, what actually happens. And I've seen it happen before uh, with a few different of my few different past clients that um, I picked up after they had gone through this. I obviously didn't advise them to go through that sin- scenario themselves. <laughs> Let's all do that. Yeah, right. You're like, this will make a great case study. <laughs> <laughs> it actually does. Um, but the bottom line is, is that, you know, as a business, as business owners, it's all right to pivot. And sometimes it's necessary to do that and make those strategic business decisions. But we need to be aware of what our brand is when it's out in the audience, when it's out in the public's eye and in their domain and they have control over it, especially now with social media and the ways in which we're able to post information up without gatekeepers. I mean, we can Mm. say whatever we want to, whenever we want to and however we want to, because it's all made available to us. So as marketing professionals, we have to become so keenly aware 
of what that brand now represents out in the audience. Dude, that's heavy. <laughs> oh my goodness, yes. <laughs> Have you seen people make a giant brand pivot like that and survive it where the bottom falls out momentarily but they they stick with it and they shift who they are do you feel like it mostly just doesn't work no it's possible uh it's definitely possible to be able to do that but what i'm suggesting is that when you go down that route and you realize that there needs to be a a strategic business move that there is some sort of marketing um facet and tactics that are put in place to be mindful of what's going to happen what could potentially be that fallout in fact i was just talking to somebody um earlier today who is even just considering doing a full rebrand reskinning of their website which is a uh it's a quasi social site and so they already have a lot of users interfacing in a specific way and they want to completely revamp and totally change it all out and I, I posed the question. I said, well, what about how people are per- currently accustomed to it? This is, the, this is the way they interact with your brand. And they hadn't even thought about it. Um, right. Facebook actually went through a similar situation when they changed their home feeds. If you right. remember I remember. That. Yeah. yeah. And there was a lot of screaming and kicking and people were upset. Some people boycotted Facebook. They eventually, of course, came back. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody can That's live without true. Facebook. Right. <laughs> so it's more about... Engaging it with some intentionality, respect for the story that you've been telling. Yeah, exactly. They, your audience, your customers, clients, they are as much a part of your story as, as your business foundational story is. Hmm. They're the ones that, that keep the business running, keep it alive. They, they maintain commerce for you. Don, this has been awesome. Uh, you've laid down some serious stuff here. Thank us, you. First, brother. And uh, so if, if people want to get in contact with you, what's the easiest way? Oh, probably a couple ways. So my website is ozcom.marketing, and that's spelled with three M's. Three M's. <laughs> O-C- O-Z-C-O-M-M-M-A-R-K-E-T-I-N-G. Wow, I could actually spell. That's good. Nice. I'm well a marketer. Done. And... <laughs> I've done some spelling. You we'll could do put that. that in the show yeah. notes for you guys. <laughs> you could do that. Or, uh, hey, let's make it even easier. I'm on Twitter, Don Osmond. That makes it easy. That's easy. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Cool. Don, thanks so much for hanging out with us tonight. Thank you. Awesome. And so you've been listening to Creation Curve Leadership with Coach and Kimberly. And that's the end. Yeah, that's all we got. Peace. See ya. Thanks, Don. Thank you.